I'm going to rage a little more about BC Ferries now, but this time Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun is going to help me. Good morning, Vaughn. <laughs> Good morning, Simmy. Oh, BC Ferries. Wow. Come on, right? <laughs> hey, they're turning it around. <laughs> <laughs> That's sarcasm, by That's the way. On Vaughn's Man, they fired the CEO. <laughs> by God, John Horgan said, you ask anybody in one of the ferry lineups why we had to fire the CEO, they say, what took you so long? So... Cost a million and a half bucks. Uh, we got uh, an NDP appointee in as chair of the board, Joy McPhail. She did the firing. We got a her handpicked CEO, uh, Nicholas Jimenez, and he's going to turn stuff around. Man, oh man, like this ferry service is going to shape up. The minister told us that the Canada Day Troubles, uh, Rob Fleming said Canada Day Troubles were the last of it. We're going to have a different ferry service this summer. Yesterday. I mean, now they're a laughing stock, right? Yes, I would agree because you can't, there's nothing that I can find that is understandable about what happened yesterday because it's inexcusable <laughs> that nobody picked up a phone or put something yeah. on social media to explain what was happening. I mean, we know that the hardworking crew and the hardworking officers and the people in the terminals that are taking the heat from the public, we know they're at work. <laughs> we, we're, I think we can say they're probably doing their best and they wish to God they didn't have to deal with this. But is anybody in charge? Every news organization in the province that is live and on the air TV and radio yesterday morning, starting at like five in the morning, is reporting yes. a nine sailing wait. And their source of that information is the BC Ferries website. Yeah. So finally, halfway into the day, the ferry service comes up for air, manages to find somebody who's actually authorized to speak to the news media. And they say, oh, uh, uh, <laughs> that's not true. It's only a one or two sailing wait. And the capstone of this, oh, their website, their website. You see, the problem is the website. Well, no, the problem is actually with the customers. It's our fault this happened. I'm sorry? That's what they said. So here's the deal. People make ferry reservations for good reason. It's the only way you can be sure of getting on the ship. The fee is 17 bucks, right? So you make 18 now. So you, if your time is worth anything, $18 is not a big deal, right? So you make the reservation just in case, and you don't show because it was just in case. The penalty for just canceling is $18. So, you know, you did it, right? But you can reschedule for five bucks. <clears throat> and frankly, that's what I think people are doing. They're making reservations, loading up the reservations just in case. And then if they travel regularly, if they have to go back and forth to right. family or business, right? And I gather this happens a lot on the Sunshine Coast where people live on the Sunshine Coast and work in Vancouver. So they, they cancel or they reschedule and they pay, you know, if they cancel 18 bucks, reschedule five bucks. So that's what's happening. And the reason it's happening is because uh, people, you know, follow the news, <laughs> apparently more closely than they do at BC Ferries, since everybody knows if you want to be sure of getting on the ferry, you need a reservation. So that's blame the customers. My favorite part of yesterday, however, is they said, don't pay any attention to our website. Go to Twitter. <laughs> or X, as we now call yeah, but it. They, they didn't even so, update so, that so, properly, though. They didn't. Yeah, no, 
don't trust BC Ferries, trust Elon Musk, right? Um, I mean, you know, and you were uh, laughing a little earlier today about the name change, but, you know, apparently, uh, according to BC Ferries, his uh, service, whatever the hell we're calling it now, X or Twitter or whatever, um, is more reliable than BC Ferries. So that's the situation we were left with yesterday. And I guess in the middle of all this, the one person at ferries that I do feel a bit sorry for, apart from the frontline people that are taking the heat from the public, is Karen Johnston. Because she's sent out to talk to the media on this. She's not even their senior media person at ferries. That's Deb Marshall, right? But she's sent out to talk to us. Yeah. And I'm like, but still way late. Right. Like, yeah, it, it, she also, she didn't need necessarily to talk if they had just been providing oh, more information or or gotten out there earlier, because now yeah. it just looks like they're scrambling because they waited they so are long. Scrambling. And she says we're doing our best. And she can't really like I gather one of our colleagues at one point asked her, like, where's the CEO, which is a good question. Right. I mean, remember what happened with the airport, right? And there was a big fiasco at the airport. Well, yeah. And nobody came forward and talked. But eventually, the CEO came back from her holiday, Tamara Vrooman, and then she did a whole bunch of media hits. She stood there and took it. That's your job, right? So we look at BC Ferries, and why is a relative mid-level administrator and communications representative doing the talking? First of all, where's Joy McPhail? She's the former cabinet minister who was sent in to do the hit job on the CEO. She's a new Democrat and loyal. She should be out there doing the talking on this. Where's Nicholas Jimenez, her hand-picked CEO? He's the guy who's going to turn it around. And third of all, where is Rob Fleming, the transportation minister? He tries to maintain the pretext that, oh, BC Ferries is independent and they can handle themselves. There's no question the New Democrats have taken political control of BC Ferries. They should be out handling this, not leaving some poor communications person to deal with it. It's the minister, first of all, should be there. He's the one who said, oh, it's unacceptable. Okay, well, start standing up there and talking about it. Go to the terminals and talk to the people there and reassure them. This is this hiding from the reckoning for this and pretending we're turning it around, you know, the excuses have run out. And I really think there needs to be political accountability here from the the three people who can most account for it, starting with the minister, then the NDP hand-picked board chair, and then her hand-picked CEO. That's who should be talking and explaining things, not some communications director. You are bang on. See, I was going to rant. Why do I need to rant when I can let Vaughn do it for sure? Okay, we have more with uh, Vaughn Palmer. In fact, we are waiting the news of this big federal cabinet shuffle that is happening this morning shortly, as a matter of fact. And we want to know what the implications are for BC. More on that now with Vaughn Palmer. So, so Vaughn, I, I had also pegged the departure of David Lametti as something is having pretty big impact here. Yeah, the federal justice minister, David Lametti, is out, according to the rumor mill out of Ottawa, which I think in this case is probably accurate. It matters uh, to the B.C. government because that's who the B.C. government has been dealing with on Premier David Eby's wish, push, desire, just short of demand for bail reform in Canada. You know, the B.C. government tried to deal with the problem of repeat violent offenders 
uh, with its own uh, directives to prosecutors. It didn't work very well. The judges wouldn't listen because essentially the criminal code says go easy even on repeat violent offenders and give them bail. So the EB and joined with other premiers, issued a call to Ottawa. Lametti, I don't think, ever had any enthusiasm for the idea. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, well, you know, he's not persuaded that there's any fundamental problem with the bail system in Canada, and he defended it. <clears throat> uh, under pressure from the premiers, and I guess from the prime minister's office, they introduced legislation in the spring, back in May, that would have made it harder for repeat violent offenders to get bail. They never brought the bill into the House. They just adjourned Parliament without bringing it. And I don't think, as I said, Lametti had any enthusiasm. So the uh, answer out of Ottawa is they'll, they'll bring the bill back in the fall. It's still there on the order paper for Parliament. So it comes back in the fall. And if we've got a new justice minister, the, well, he can't have less, less enthusiasm for the change than Lametti. So I think the B.C. government would be very happy that there's a change there and hoping for the best from a new justice minister, hoping we get bail reform before the end of the year. It's overdue. David Eby has described it as urgent, and I think he's right on that one. It is urgent, and it's urgent not just in British Columbia, but talk to the Premier of Ontario, the Premier of Manitoba, and elsewhere, they'll agree. Okay, so it's possible then that this could make it actually happen. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, give them the benefit of the doubt, assuming they don't call an early election, uh, that uh, there's, there's a chance now you'll get bail reform before the end of the year, although there's a major pushback, right, from the legal, judicial, academic establishment that cares, you know, that wants the current leniency to continue, uh, insists it's not necessary. So it's still going to take some pushing to get that through Ottawa, but I think you got a better shot of it with a new justice minister. So that's one. Um, We should note, by the way, the retirement of Joyce Murray. Uh, Ah, yes. Yeah, I mean, she's she's a cabinet minister, a fisheries minister, member for uh, Vancouver Quadra. She's an unusual figure in modern-day British Columbia politics. She's been a cabinet minister at the provincial level, in the Gordon Campbell Liberal government and a federal cabinet minister. She holds uh, what I think would qualify as the safest liberal seat in federal in British Columbia because the liberals even held it uh, when John Turner was leader and the liberals federally were almost wiped out. So uh, important departure, long-time service to British Columbians, maybe not a high-profile minister, but nevertheless, um, Putting up with the travel to Ottawa all these years, she deserves credit for that, if nothing else. And, uh, you know, she leaves with a clean record and a lot of respect. So, uh, well done. Thanks for your service and enjoy your retirement. Yeah, I was kind of surprised by that one. She's one of those people kind of like Hetty Fry who just keeps running and running and you didn't see that change coming at all. So, I'll I'll wait for that. Also, just quick question as well. With the change, though, at the Justice Ministry level then, does this change other priorities? Like, do you think we'll hear more from uh, Premier David Eby now about this provincial police force? Yeah, I think you're going to be looking to... We're apparently getting a new minister in charge of policing as well. Uh, So the Mendocino is out. So again, uh, British Columbia got along fine with him. I don't think they're happy to see him go, but understand why. But yes, I mean, we're getting a new federal minister in charge of the RCMP. 
I think they really need to get going at the federal level, first of all, on telling the provinces what Ottawa's thinking is about the future of the RCMP. There are indications the federal government wants the RCMP to get out of local policing. They've circled the year 2032, which is when the existing contracts expire. And at that point, if that's where Ottawa is headed, the provincial premiers are saying, if we have to replace the RCMP as a contract policer for local policing, uh, if we have to establish a provincial police force, we need to get going on that now. Premier Eby has said that, and I think, you know, you're going to be looking this fall. Let's start a serious uh, review and research here at BC as to what that would entail, but also get into serious negotiations with Ottawa about their plan if they're getting out of policing with the RCMP and turning the RCMP into a national force and not doing local contract policing anymore. We need to get going on that. Uh, 2032, you can't set up an entire local yeah. provincial police force without a lot of planning and a lot of effort. And that is not that far away. It's going to no, go really, really away. quickly. So, you know, turn the page on Surrey, and I hope we are. I hope that uh, oh, first we'll summit yesterday with Farnworth and Mayor Locke is the beginning. Uh, Jessica McDonald's going to go talk to the mayor. Uh, yeah, I hope it's turned the page, but really seriously now, uh, serious engagement at the provincial level. Are we going to have a BC provincial police force, and what do we need to do to get there? All right, Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi. All good questions. Vaughn Palmer there for the Vancouver Sun. So clearly there will be an impact on BC this morning with this federal cabinet shuffle. It is The reason why it's getting so much attention is we're in the middle of summer. It's pretty unusual to have what is a, a very sizable cabinet shuffle happen at this time of year, but with seven people saying that they are not going to run in the next election, it was pretty clear the time had come uh, for the Prime Minister to do something. So who's going to get promoted? What does that mean for BC's priorities? Well, that's what we're waiting to find out. So that announcement, so usually what happens is they start showing up uh, for the ceremony, and that's when we get an idea of who's going to be doing what position, who's getting moved. Some people get promoted, some people get shuffled out. Uh, We will start to find that out in the next hour or so, and of course, we'll keep you updated on that.